I'm Sasha DeWitt, and this is the Studio Notes Podcast, the show where I chat with artists about the real-life stuff of being an artist. Hi, and welcome to Studio Notes with me, Sasha DeWitt, and today's guest, Anna McDonald. Anna is a minimalist, abstract artist, teacher, art coach, and parent. And I started following Anna a few years ago on her Instagram, and I really related to her because she's very honest and real, but also extremely practical. So these are some of the things that I'd like to uh, talk about today. But first, I'd love to start with how you got started into your path into minimalist abstract art. Like what um, attracted you to, to doing that art style? Oh, thanks, Sasha. And thanks for having me on. And such a nice introduction. I love that, um, that you said I was real. Um, that's such a lovely compliment. Thank you. My introduction to abstract minimalist art began about five years ago when I was still emerging from quite a long period of depression. And I have suffered with depression intermittently throughout my life. But this particular episode was quite prolonged and it was quite bad. And I realised that I needed an art practice. And what I mean by that is that I'd always been creative and I've always been creative, but the creative endeavours that I was doing, like when my children were little, I would sew a lot. It would be making birthday cakes and birthday cards and making anything I could make, I would do. And whilst I really enjoyed that, it was lacking something and because I'm a teacher and I've been teaching art for 20 years I was becoming quite envious of my older students that had a lot of time in their lives to dedicate to their art practice and to explore ideas and I realized that what I was missing was space to explore and to discover things in my work So previously, I would say that my work was largely illustrative. I've always loved illustration and I am naturally a drawer. I'm a draftsman rather than a painter. And I would always make illustrations um, of landscapes and objects and they didn't mean anything and my work wasn't about anything and I began so I was very depressed and I realized that I needed to get back into my art practice and I began with a local art class now I've been teaching art for 20 years so I knew I didn't I'm not saying I I, there was nothing I couldn't you know, I, I knew everything. I couldn't learn anything more. But I just thought it doesn't really matter what I'm doing as long as I'm doing something. So I began there at this local art class, which was lovely. And then I just thought, OK, what shall I do next? And I joined a, an art school and regularly once a week I was just doing stuff in the studio. I just didn't really know what I was doing. But that was also at the time when I got onto Instagram. So I was on Instagram quite late. I'd say I probably got on Instagram 2017, which is very late. And that's really when my eyes were opened to 
abstract art. And I just started following people that I really liked and thought I want to make abstract art. So I made appalling abstract art and I had no idea what it was about. And I just think I was, the, the kind of images I was collecting. So I started to collect images on Pinterest and the kind of images that I was really drawn to were minimalist images. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have a go at doing this. So that's what I've been doing for the last five years. But it took me about a year of making the work to start to inquire as to why I was making this work and what did it mean to me and why was I drawn to certain styles of art and why was I using particular marks in my work etc so that is the journey <laughs> that's the journey I've been on in the last few years that's really interesting to to go that path from sort of illustration into what you're doing now um, into minimalism and also thinking about you know relating it back to what the what maybe the what started it what the, the catharsis for it was you know this depression that you were feeling because I also came to art through a path a journey of along the path of grief and art has helped me be able to deal with my grief over you know several years and do you find it that the art is helping you as well with your depression or so what is the relationship there oh my gosh it's helped me it's helped me on so many levels so oh my gosh there's just so there's so many ways that it helps me so very very quickly I think that tap, tapping into my creativity and having time to play was was really felt really nurturing I think a key thing for me with my depression was the fact that my art practice quite quickly became an art business although I had no intention of it becoming an art business but what then happened was I met a group of other artists so I did a first fair then I was introduced to the other art fair and very quickly I became part of a tribe of artists. Then I met artists online. One of them was Alice Sheridan. I joined her Connected Artists Club. We became really good friends. I met other friends. And I, that was one of the key things that actually lifted me out of my depression because I just felt so connected to other people and I wasn't alone in in anything I wasn't alone in my experiences in life I wasn't alone in my experience as an artist and I speak to these people every single day every day I'm speaking to another artist on a kind of more professional level or on a very deeply personal level also the way that I make my work is I make it in a very calm state so I clear my studio I have a lot of calm space I listen to particular music so I don't like listening to I don't like listening to other voices so I won't listen to the radio or to podcasts and I don't really like listening to songs it's it's classical music often so that means I'm in I'm in a quite a present state and I think that it's very difficult to be in a present state when you're depressed 
depressed or anxious because you're living in your head. So that's helped enormously. But I think what's so, so my anxiety and depression has come out of feeling not, not good enough, really, like a massive overbearing inner critic is what I think sent me down this spiral of anxiety and then depression what I find with the art with my art practice is that it's it's a it's a constant practice of taking risks and trying something that might be quite challenging so I will be making work and trying something new and it won't work and it will look awful and I can hear at the back of my mind the voice saying see it's shit you knew it was going to be terrible you're just mediocre you're not fooling anyone everybody on Instagram is going to know that you're not a real artist you can't do anything so don't bother and it's just this constant practice of learning to acknowledge that voice and just say well okay thanks very much I'm just going to carry on anyway so there is this constant like um it's like I'm training that muscle to be more resilient. I'm training myself to be much more compassionate to myself, to realize that making mistakes when you're making art is not just okay, it's really good. It's part of the process. And it's very scary and it's horrible to do work that looks dreadful. And it's really daunting to go into the studio and think, I know that whatever I'm gonna make at the moment is gonna be awful because I haven't been in the studio for a while. So that, that is, that's the thing which has sorted my head out and has kept me mentally healthy for as long as I've been doing it. So I've not suffered from any significant anxiety or depression for about five or six, most seven years. Wow, that's really good. And I think that's, so you're saying that connection that you're making with other artists, as well as sort of overcoming your own you know, people talk about imposter syndrome. And, and so that it sort of sounds like that, this idea of people are going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. And that, of course, is what I've loved about watching you. Um, like recently, I think two weeks ago, you were like, I am having a terrible week doing art, you know, nothing's working out. And of course, every, you know, on, on your Instagram, everybody was like, yeah, me too. We were sort of all in the same space. And it was nice to create Again, you were being very honest and very real about what, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. And I think a lot of people felt quite connected with that. And it was really interesting to see um, those I always find that. Made. I always find that whenever I share something quite vulnerable where I'm making a decision, am I going to show people how I failed? Am I going to show people the real me? Am I going to show people behind the scenes where everything is not always perfect and neat and amazing and I always get the most engagement and feedback from people by far every single time which is really lovely because I think we all like to see inside people's lives and we want to see things that are inspirational we like that but at the same time there needs to be a bit of a balance that if something is not entirely you feel that something is not entirely achievable or realistic you end up feeling bad about yourself 
you just do and I do not want to be that person I do not want to be someone that someone's looked at my feed and just comes away feeling like oh my house is never going to be tidy like Anna's which is why I do share pictures of <laughs> my house yes like I, I, I love that you share your tidying of your house it's, it's proper behind the scenes every time I tidy now Anna I think about uh, oh, Anna says just do 10 or 15 minutes and then your house will become more and more tidy. So I've really enjoyed that as well. That's always, it kind of cracks me up. Yeah, um, it's so funny how everybody says that everybody loves the five minute tidy videos. I haven't done some <laughs> in a while, but um, yeah. Again, it's, that, it's, it's very realistic. And I was thinking about as well, when you talk about, are there um, things that you do when you go to create collections that help you sort of overcome some of this fear that you have of getting started because I think of you you're quite you love systems I think you're quite a systematic person and I love that you know we have this idea of oh artists are kind of chaotic and it's all over the place but actually you've been very good at showing that you can have some systems in place that's and still be creative within those systems. Yeah it, it took me a thank you it, it took me a long time to um accept that about myself like if someone were to say to me oh you're you're very organized aren't you I would feel very embarrassed I would feel like oh dear like that's 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 not a good thing like maybe they're saying I'm really uptight or but I've learned that these are actually coping strategies I've developed coping strategies to deal with ADHD traits and um I actually didn't function very well as a person before that and what I've learned is that having these strategies does help me to overcome uh, challenges like that I have, I still have an overbearing inner critic. So if I didn't have strategies to get me back into the studio and to start work, I think I would have just given up by now. One of those strategies is I've learned that having deadlines is really helpful. So I take part in art fairs it's very expensive it's very time consuming and it's very exhausting I really really enjoy them but if I wasn't doing them I wouldn't probably be making any work because I would just get busy with other things because I still feel a real fear of getting into the studio it takes me a very long time to get into the zone where I really really desperately want to get in and I think that's maybe because I teach as well so half of the week I am working so it does break up my week and I still have to do the school runs so I don't often get a long period of time and it has happened a lot when I really get into the zone and I then have to stop and go back to work or pick up my kids from school but I I, I am constantly working against this resistance to getting back into the studio so some of my systems would be that I, I do like to make a little plan of action. So that doesn't need to be very extensive, but I will take a moment to write down or to just think about what is it that's stopping me from getting into the studio? And I'll be very clear about what am I frightened of? What is not going right? So I'll often look at my previous work and say, well, that didn't work. And I'll ask myself, why didn't it work? Do I need to make the work bigger? Do I need to use different materials? And I really try and get very, very specific and focused and purposeful about what I'm doing. So 
I could be playing around. I could be throwing paint all over my studio, but I would have to know why I'm doing that. And that helps me. So when I've done that, then I can look at it and then say, okay, let's have a look at this paint that you just threw around everywhere. And then I'll review it and say, well, what were you trying to do in the first place? Well, I was looking at what would happen if I would just make marks with complete abandon, with no control, like with my eyes closed or used, used my least favourite colours. And then I'll review it and then I'll take the next steps. So all of this, all of those, that kind of stopping reviewing, making work, stopping reviewing, making work is, is my process of just getting in there and doing something. And I love that sort of overcoming the fear because I think recently someone had asked me or, or I was talking with some other artists as well about how we start our studio time. And, it, and, and I basically said, you know, the first thing I feel when I walk into my studio is fear. Mm-hmm. But I have recognized that that fear is, you know, it's almost nonsense because I'm only f- afraid of these mistakes that I know I'm going to make or, you know, and it sort of was changing how I think about both the, the fear that I'm not going in to do brain surgery. It's all going to be OK if I make a mistake. So what? I can paint over most of it. Um, and I think also you have helped me change my mindset because you're talking about, you know, you write a little plan and then you go through your your plan and you play around, but then you also reflect and you changed my mindset because uh, you were coaching me. And part of that was just, I go in every day and say, what did I learn instead of, is it good or bad? And so taking, taking away that good or bad and just thinking about what did I learn was a really powerful moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole good or bad thing is, I mean, that is important, but only your version of is good or bad is important. I don't give a shit about what anyone else thinks about my work. I mean, yes, it's very nice to have people say nice things about your work and people that you respect, but ultimately it just doesn't mean anything. It literally just doesn't mean anything. What is important is about what you think about your work. And really, I don't think you can have a real opinion about whether your work is good or bad until you know why is what you're doing and and it can take you years to figure that out as well um yeah so what so what do you do to sort of overcome that fear of when you've gone into the studio and you're really worried about making work well I think it was it was changing my mindset of how I thought about work and so now in each day you know, of course, I'm always hopeful that I'm going to make something that I like, that I think will sell, because this is how I support myself. However, you know, changing it to every day, I just go in and think, okay, if I learn one thing today, I'm going to be really happy with the day. And even if you're making mistakes, you're learning something. So I'm usually learning, okay, this is not what I want to do, or this didn't work, or I don't like that. And so I just jot that down as a little reflective note. And I think about, you know, that's what I learned. And then I can walk away from the day and actually feel good. Even if the art itself was crap, I can still feel good about myself as an artist that I've explored and I've learned something. And so that has Absolutely. taken away the fear. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. And I think that there, there will probably always be fear there. And I think that's always really important to remember that what we're doing is really difficult. There are, f- there are f- sometimes, but not very often, where the sun is streaming into my studio and I've got work all over the floor 
and I've got my music on and it's only 12 o'clock. So I'm thinking, great, I've got three hours before I have to pick up my child from school. And it's blissful. But that doesn't happen very often. Quite often, it does actually feel like a slog. It does actually feel like I'm working because things aren't going right. And I think when you said about what, what did you learn, I do encourage people to really acknowledge the tiniest the tiniest nuggets of learning it could literally be that the paper that I was using today was too thin for what I'm doing it doesn't everything is moving you forward you are learning and remember this is how we are developing as artists so that we can make work that we feel so proud of because we know that so much of us has gone into it. This is our craft. This is what we're learning. And we can charge more money for our work because we feel that, yeah, we're, re we're really honing our craft. And I think when you talked about fear and you said about reminding yourself that this is not, this is not a life or death situation when we walk into the studio. And I think the benefit of having taught teenagers for so long <laughs> is that they, teenagers verbalise everything. And we think the same things as teenagers. We just keep it inside. And when you have teenagers, they will say, oh, my work's terrible, miss. It's dreadful. I've got no ideas. I'm awful. I hate this. And they just blurt it all out. And I'm thinking, we feel like this all the time, but we just don't share it. And then I'd say to them, okay, let's just stop for one minute let's just calm down because this is just a drawing <laughs> you know and I think we just have to remind ourselves it's just a drawing everyone let's just calm down so I said you know the worst that's going to happen is you're just going to make a drawing which is dreadful and we might put it in the bin or we might show somebody but no one's interested in your drawing anyway because they were worried about their own drawing um and then it's about they, they go oh it's dreadful I hate it I hate it and it's I and I just have to ask them, let's just stop, pinpoint what it is you don't like. Just be as specific as possible. I don't like that corner. Why? What's going on? Well, it's all gloopy and it's hate the colours. What could you do about it? Use different colours. Don't like that bit down there. Why not? Well, the hand I've drawn, it just looks dreadful. Why? Because you're using the wrong proportions. What could you do about it? I need to go away and do some more drawings and studies to learn how to draw the hand because it's difficult to draw hands. So all of these things that we think in our heads are all things we can do something about. And I think when you write them down and you break them down and you see them in black and white, you go, oh yeah, I forgot I said that last week. It didn't work on a small scale. I've just got to use paper twice the size. We can do that. So you just do it and then you review it and go, oh, actually, yeah, that just works better. Now I've scaled it up, but now I need to deal with the colour. So um, yeah, that's, that's just the process that I use and I use with all of my clients just to, you know, that kind of framework, because it, it's like driving a car. You become so used to it. Like, although I give everybody workbooks that they can keep returning to, this all becomes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I've got that middle-aged brain fog. <laughs> it just becomes, it just becomes part of your natural thought process. You just become used to inquiring and asking yourself questions and calming yourself down and then make, taking action. 
and I guess it gives you a framework to to because when you go into the studio again some of the fear comes from you know hey I can do whatever I want to do today um you know and, and it's so wide open sometimes that that this at least allows you to have some framework to sort of grip onto to think okay these are the things I can do even though I can do anything I want but I can do them within this framework that does really help yeah it's a, it's a feeling of kind of safety and I know that if I wasn't using these strategies I would have given up making art years ago and if I hadn't have been a teacher for so long I would never have developed these strategies I think um and I I really like that as well because because I I wanted to interview you because also you're someone who has a job that also that thereby helps you be able to be an artist as well um I know that earlier you had thought about giving you know thought about giving up the teaching but then decided actually that isn't right for me and I wanted to speak about that because I think there are a lot of people who have won the idea that oh I could give up my job and be an artist and wouldn't all the days be wonderful and glorious and that's just not the reality and there are also people who feel a little bit guilty because they have a job and then you know they're not spending enough time on their art so how are you balancing all of this and how are you seeing that it fits into your life as an artist? Um, how I balance it is about being well organized and creating systems to get the most out of my time and do things quickly. Um, so I share all that through my, I've got two courses, but the bullet journal course and the artist laptop. And that is how I organize my own physical diary writing everything down and how I manage my digital life because it just frees up a lot of time. I should say that my decision to leave teaching a year ago, I need to see, I need to actually, every time somebody mentions that, I think oh, I haven't really um, filled everybody in on all of that saga a year ago. What happened was, it's really difficult to know what to say. Um, my husband was offered a job overseas and he wanted to accept the job and I decided to leave my job rather than just take take a year out and because of Covid and and the pandemic and lockdown that we we couldn't we couldn't get to that country and so that job offer went and even though I had actually handed in the notice I'd left I'd resigned um, and they'd interviewed for my position my position wasn't filled and they said do you want to come back and at the time I said no because my head space was I'm going to leave teaching I'm done but then there were big changes at work at my school and it became a very different place to teach and I decided to stay and I'm so happy I stayed so the, the, the way I balance it is so practically, like I've just said, it's like time management and learning good organizational skills. And I share that um, on Instagram and um, on my courses, but also my, 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 my school is, is a really great school at the moment. We've got an amazing head teacher. So I don't feel the kind of stress that I used to at work. So teaching can be, a very very stressful place to be and I think that is largely dictated by who is leading you there can be a cult I think it's like a lot of workplaces if you've got someone at the top who 
creates a culture of fear that filters all the way down and everybody's everybody's stressed everybody's terrified about doing anything wrong like everybody's waiting to catch you doing something wrong that's not the case at my school so I'm really enjoying being there but also I'm aware of not taking on too much at school so I've been teaching for 20 years and I don't I've not wanted to really take on extra responsibility I've I've just wanted to stay in the classroom because that gives me enough of an income it gives me enough of stimulation and um, challenge to keep me interested in the job, but not too much stress and pressure. I know that if I was teaching full time, I would not be able to do this because I've also got children and I've also got a husband and I've got my, my life and my friends and my own health. And it is it is a constant balancing act. And I often feel that you know, I'm paying a lot of attention to one thing and my kids or my husband is missing out. So I don't always get that balance correct, but it's, it is pretty good at the moment. I, would I do say. think that's a really hard balance. I think that's the most people go through that, you know, if you're a parent and you have a job and you're also trying to do your artwork, I, I definitely think that's the trickiest one to figure out, like how to do it all. Um, I would say... Guilty. Yeah, and I would say this phrase, do it all. I feel like I, I need to declare this, and I'm actually going to, I want to talk more about this on Instagram, is that I'm in a place in my life where a lot of aspects of my life are very kind of well-organised and I feel on top of a lot of stuff, except for my schedule. I feel like, so you touched upon minimalism right at the beginning, and I'm always looking for how can I get rid of things that are superfluous that I don't need in my work in my artwork uh, in my wardrobe in my home and it creates a lot of calm and order and peace which is amazing but my schedule I think is is just too full so I I get I and I also feel uncomfortable that I might be um you know parading that I'm really busy and I I'm doing everything all the time and and actually I think that if I am really busy with school and my art business and I'm killing it there my family's suffering my kids aren't seeing me and I feel an enormous amount of guilt and shame about that so I don't always have a balance and that is something I'm really working on I'm I'm getting some help with that just to try and really try and maybe slow down in some of these areas because yes I might make less money um, in terms of my art business and I might um, make less progress with my own art but I don't want my success to be at the expense of my children's well-being so it's it's really difficult for mums working mums that are doing this as well to get yes. that balance. I agree. And I, I think that if we also just kind of reframe, because it's nice to, you know, you've got your art business and you started it quite quickly. It sounds like, you know, you got into the business side of things quite quickly. But if we look at, you know, our relationships with our families and our relationships with art, I'm not going to stop making art anytime soon. So it's actually a long-term relationship. So if I'm developing over years, 
and taking it a little bit slower, but also having those relationships, you know, that's kind of the balance that I try to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, you know, like this past summer, my child's now 16 and, and or 15. And I was thinking, you know, there were a lot of days in the summer where I thought, oh, I should be in the studio. I should be doing that. And then I thought, you know what, actually, like in, in terms of spending time together as a family, you know, my child probably in two years will go off to university. We're mm. not going to be seeing each other as much over the summer. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take the time to be together this summer and next summer and just really enjoy that time and stop myself thinking about I should be in the studio I should be painting I'm not serious because when I'm not painting I think I'm not a serious artist I'm not taking myself seriously mm-hmm. but I thought no actually it's okay to also say I'm a serious parent and I'm yeah, gonna do this so parenting. True. I, I mean I feel that exactly I think my greatest fear is that when my kids are older that I will look back and think oh man you were just so hungry to just achieve and to do all these things and why I don't want to regret that I didn't spend more quality time with my children so that is something that's really at the forefront of my mind at the moment and you talked about you know my teaching and balancing everything and I think it's just different for everybody I know that I look at people that are full-time artists and think I'm not a real artist because I'm not full time. And I have to also, I think I read somewhere, somebody described the difference. It was their terminology. And they were just saying, for this purpose, they said, let's just say that if you are a full-time artist, you're a career artist. And if you are a part-time artist and you have another job, then you're a hobbyist. And I thought, I don't feel like a hobbyist. And I thought, but that's okay. This is just the terminology that they're using. And I think it's just so, it's just so important to just be aware that whilst social media is amazing for for showing us how other people work and how other people do things and learning from each other, that there is a tendency to feel that we are not doing the things that we should be doing and we're not keeping up with that person you know, people might look at me and think, well, she's doing all these courses and I'm not doing any courses. Maybe I should be doing courses. Whereas sometimes I feel like, should I be doing these courses at all? Like people won't, I think people won't take me seriously as an artist because I'm running courses. And and the, the teaching job, for me, the, the, my teaching job gives me a regular income. And what that means is that I can relax about making my art because I'm not making it to earn money. So I can buy more expensive materials. If I do a fair that doesn't do really bad, it doesn't do really well, then I'm not worried that I can't pay the mortgage. And I do think I would be making different decisions about my work. I think I'd be operating differently as an artist if that was my bread and butter. And I just know for me, I like the security of having a steady, reliable income and that my art business is something is something separate. It's an addition to that. That just suits me. And also, I think the fact that it is a create, you know, being an art teacher does feed into my it really, really improves my art practice and vice versa. It makes me a much better teacher because I'm an artist. So I think a lot of this is about overcoming 
the things that we tell ourselves. It's, it's all bullshit. It just is all bullshit that we tell ourselves. And ultimately, if it's if it's if you're at a place where you feel quite comfortable, just go with it. I just wouldn't question it. I think often most of the things that we tell ourselves about, well, I should or shouldn't have a job and I should or shouldn't be doing fairs and I should or shouldn't have a studio outside the house and I should or shouldn't be running courses. It's just bullshit. And it's just recognizing that those thoughts don't usually bring us a lot of comfort. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're not helpful at all. They're just not the helpful. Little, the little people in my head, I'm like, they're they're completely yeah. not helpful. They're usually negative. They don't know what they're talking about. But it does make me sad that somebody was saying, you know, if you have a part-time job and you're doing artwork, you're a hobbyist. Like that makes me deeply sad because part of also what I want to talk about with all these interviews is how many different um, streams of revenue that artists have. I mean, I do not just sit around trying to sell paintings. You know, I also teach and I love, I, I also teach art classes. And I think like you, I find so much value in that part of my practice that I consider it, you know, it's, it's key to who I am as an artist is the teaching and the sharing. Yeah. And what I get from my students is invaluable. Yeah. Um, I can't, you know, put in words how wonderful, you know, how they look at seeing how other people look at the world and then translate that into art to me mm-hmm. is such a wonderful process. Um, and then also, you know, I do art trials. And so it's like, there's not any one way to do this. And to have somebody say about this is you're then a hobbyist to me, that makes me very sad because I just don't think that's realistic to think you can just nowadays just sell paintings or just sell one you know your artwork and then that's it I'm sure there are people who do it but yeah exactly and I wouldn't want to like personally I wouldn't want to be that because the workshops and the teaching is crucial to who I am as an artist yeah and I think it's very much about recognizing that this is going to feel different for everybody I know people that wouldn't dream of teaching they don't want to do that and that's great and I realize that I would probably put myself as a teacher before an artist that for me being of service and sharing what I've learned and the fact that I am, especially with the courses that I've launched recently, they're not creative courses. I get asked a lot by people, when are you going to run a creative course? And I've created one and I think, Oh, I haven't just got, I haven't got time in my schedule to do this. But the courses that I've run, I feel just help support artists manage the organisational side of their art practice and their life to enable them to be better artists, to give them more time and more confidence and be more efficient in the studio. Why wouldn't I want to help artists do that? So um, it's very much about finding your own your own path and curating your own life. And that's why I think sometimes the more artists you know, the better, because you realise that everybody just does it differently. Absolutely, yeah. We all have our own path and our own journeys, but it's nice when you are making those connections with other people and chatting um, through different various communities to, to find out, yeah, we all do it differently, but we all have something central, which is that we have this desire to create and to make things. Um, and before we go, I do want you quickly to talk about your two courses, because 
I have always found it fascinating that you're not doing creative courses, but that you are doing courses that I think because you're coming at it from like with an artist's brain, that you are tackling things that artists do have time uh, trouble with, which is sort of organization of time. And I know you run the artist bullet journal and the artist desktop. So if you could talk a little bit about both of those, because I, I think they're both great courses. So the artist bullet journal is about how do you keep a book, you create your own book, which is essentially a calendar, a diary and, and to-do lists and planners and trackers. And it's one that you draw out yourself. So I often find that a shop-bought diary just didn't really give me enough flexibility. And it's a way of keeping track. I mean, you can do anything you want in it. You could track expenses and sales and gallery submissions. I tend to use it for just day-to-day -day planning, but it has really enhanced the way that I plan and manage my time. So I don't have a separate book for school or for, for my uh, home life or for my art business and even my art practice. I do it all in one single book. That's where minimalism is, you know, I'm trying to just think, can I do this all in the one book? And it has, I mean, it really has changed my life because it is it reduces my anxiety. And it also means that I can achieve the things I actually want to achieve. So on a short-term basis, I am very efficient at getting lots of things done. But some of those bigger projects, like creating courses or creating a body of work or create you know getting ready for a fair those bigger projects that take longer this al allows me to do it so that course is also about planning and how you plan um the the artist laptop is about it, i mean it's called the artist laptop but it also covers desktops and phones and ipads and when we are professional artists and we're selling our work you need to photograph images of your work and you are invoicing people and creating receipts and you're doing gallery submissions and liaising with people in on email all the time and and if you're a teacher like we are um there is a lot of admin and digital stuff that goes along with that and particularly during the pandemic because i was spending so much time on my laptop I felt like I sort of had a bit of an epiphany and I thought my laptop is like my digital home and I need it to be organized like my actual home and I went about doing that and then I have just created a system of organizing folders and files and photos and emails and syncing everything so that actually using these devices is a complete joy. I know where everything is. It's not overwhelming. I am not drowning in files. Um, it's easy to find things. It's easy to do things. And it saves me a huge amount of time. And all of this is just great because it, it, I mean, yes, it's, it makes you more productive, but it, it's a lot less stress and anxiety. And I think that's just what we all need. We need these, these systems to support our lives, not to drain us of energy. Um, so, yes. And it's so easy to, to let digital clutter suddenly take over. I mean, you blink and you suddenly have 
you know, a thousand photos that you need to organize or a thousand emails or so it's really nice to see that someone is out there helping people tackle uh, what's going on. Yeah, I like you- I, I was just going to yeah. say that I researched this for quite a long time and I was looking for somebody and there probably there probably are videos like this on YouTube that I just didn't come across. But I just wanted someone to say, come with me, take my hand. I'm going to show you how we're going to sort out your computer. Let's do it together. And that's what my course does. So I've got two versions. I've got the guided version, which is currently going at the moment. So enrollment's closed. But I've got the recorded uh, the self-study where you can work through the videos yourself. Um, but we just had a session this morning, which was great. And so we were just all there together, just sorting out and tidying tidying up our laptops together I think with the guided it's probably nice to do some of this boring stuff because we consider this boring stuff right to do boring stuff together with other people doing boring stuff maybe alleviates that sort of oh I have to deal with my you know thousand emails or whatever yeah it sounds like fun yeah because I mean because my my approach to the whole thing with sort of tidying your home and tidying your laptop is that you don't need to sit down and do the whole thing. You just need to start and have a bit of a system, which is what we did today. And then you just do a little bit here and there, just very, very manageable. And then gradually it's just it's just beautiful and organised. That's right. Five or ten minutes a day. I have to remember that because that's sort of what you always are saying. Five, five just minutes, five, ten minutes. Here and there. Yeah. All about progress, not perfection. Was Is it slightly better than it was when you opened up your laptop half an hour ago yes amazing job done put it away keep keep going it, it, it just chip away at it and you'll get there that's right well I'm gonna let you go because I know you have the school run to do this afternoon <laughs> and I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and being so open and honest about your art practice and your, your journey to where you are today and thank you so much for sharing oh thanks Ash it was such a pleasure it was so nice to chat to you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Studio Notes with guest Anna McDonald. I love her abstract work as well as the practicality of how she goes about juggling life, job, and creating. To find out more about her, her work, and her courses, you can click on the links below. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps others to find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening to Studio Notes with me, Sasha DeWitt. Big shout out to the Arts Council who have given funding for this podcast as part of my DYCP grant. So thank you.